Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org, for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Well, I want to ask you the question when's the last time you thought about heaven? Really thought about heaven? Depending on your season of life, could have been this morning, could have been three minutes ago, could have been your morning sickness, and so you're thinking about it a whole lot. Could be your loving life, and you're thinking about heaven, it's just a fun thing to think about. Or it could be you're like my college professor, who whenever I said he would end every prayer with, Lord Jesus, come soon and bring heaven with you. And at 20 years old, what was my response? Not yet. (laughs) i got more life to live. (laughs) You know, if we say we have more life to live, it might be because we don't have a clear picture of what heaven is. We think there's something we could get in this life that's better than what's to come. But Paul, he said it very plainly. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These are some of my favorite videos when you watch someone who sees something that they've never seen before. Take a look at this video here. 65 years old. <laughs> I have gone 65 years without seeing color. Uh-huh. And it is more of a big deal to you guys than it is to me. <laughs> I've seen these videos where people get emotional. And I'm not going to get emotional. That's okay. okay. I just want to see how well they work. I have been a professional wrestler. Wait, don't put them on yet. I have been beat up. By the biggest man in the world. I I am not going to get emotional. That's okay. okay. Right. One, two, three. Alright, so what is what do you have to do? It takes time to adjust, it says. I don't know. It's totally different. That's green. (laughs) We'll have to get some of Harmony's books out. We'll have to do the colors. biggest guys on the planet and here he is crying over these glasses i'm glad i didn't cry there because i was like watching three or four of them i was crying last night i'm like all right think about something else think about something else so what i love about that is he said what no eye has seen no ear has heard he tried to prepare himself for what he was about to see and what he was about to see was greater than he ever anticipated well friends let me give you another vision of heaven recorded by john John said, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. 
This vision means a whole lot to you if you've tried to do multicultural church, if you've tried to get along with other people, and you're like, I don't know if I believe that's possible. Have you experienced enough hurt to wonder if that's possible? Have you given up on the dream that that's possible? Because it is, and God inspires it, and that's what we chase after, and that's our vision that's worth pursuing. This week, I was at a conference with 5,000 people, and I wish I could have taken you there. It was in Orlando, and it was a gathering of church pastors from all over the world, all different kinds of languages, and we were together learning about what it means to share the good news about Jesus with other people. The concept was evangelism. We were excited to be there, and we got to hear from all different kinds of people from all different walks of life, and even locally, there were different accents and different things. This guy, Pete Gregg, he lives in the UK, and he moved to the United States for a bit, and his whole concept is hearing God through prayer, and he wrote an entire book on it, and he described when his family moved into the middle of the United States, he took his kids to um, preschool, and they're like, your kids sound English, and he's like, yeah, I'm from the UK, and I met this one guy there, he led a workshop on what does discipleship really look like, and his name was Kenny Sexton from Georgia, and he said, my job is to teach you all and convince you that I don't have chaw in my mouth, and I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I appreciate you just going the distinction. Have you been made fun of because of the way you talk? You've been made fun of because of the way you look. Have you been made fun of because of where you've been? When my West Virginia accent comes out after a seven-minute conversation with my parents, it blossoms, and someone's quick to say, where are you from? You feel like an outsider sometimes, don't we? But here in Revelation 7, 9, and 10, we see that every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. But notice what the focus is. The focus is less on who's there, but the focus is the one who is at the center. It says, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. They weren't whispering. They weren't talking. They were shouting. And why were they shouting? Because they were thankful that they recognized they're there because of the sacrifice of God. What brought them together, what enabled them to be together was this understanding that we are all in need of a Savior. And we can gather around this King, this great God who saves us because despite our faults, despite our shortcomings, we are able to come together. So we've gathered around this question, if heaven is not separated, why on earth is the church? One of the things that I went through was a workshop that was talking about multicultural church, and he shared that indeed churches are indeed segregated. And he gave these stats. He said 77% of evangelical and 89% of mainline churches in the U.S. are racially segregated, failing to have at least 20% diversity in their attending membership. Churches are 10 times more segregated than the neighborhoods in which they sit. Churches are 20 times more segregated than nearby public schools. I want to say the goal is more than just having a collection of different colored people. It's to have cultures represented. One of the things that they described it with that I really appreciate you've heard us talk about before is it's one thing to have a salad mixed together with each of the components represented well, but it's another thing to just dump ranch dressing all over it and you can't taste anything that's individual. We want to be a culture that values what God values, which is diversity, which is differences, because when we come together and we're honest and we're willing to do the hard work, well, guess what we represent? And we can reach other people with different views. Someone looks in that window, it's amazing that they say, look, someone looks like me and I'm welcome. 
We can have a welcome sign, and if no one looks like somebody else, it's like, am I really? Can I really fit in? Can I really belong? We are poised for greatness the more diverse that we are. But it's interesting. It's not easier. Everybody would do it. Another statement they said that I thought was fun, they said, you should like 80% of what happens here. Like, what? I want a place where it's 100%. Well, that's called a single church focus. It's a homogenous church. It's like we're going to program a certain way with certain things, and everybody's going to like the same, and if they don't like it, they're going to go somewhere else. Well, when someone looks in, if they don't look like that, they're going to like, I guess I'll have to go to the next church. But again, 80%, when you're at your 80, you have to recognize, I don't like this 20%. And you look around the room, someone else really likes it, don't they? You can see joy in someone else's heart. And let me tell you, the more you hang out with someone, the more silly things you can start doing. I married a gal who's not much like me. And I find myself doing things I never thought I would do. We first went to Disney World. She loved it. I was like, this costs too much money. Sean, you know, right? <laughs> I saw that. We had a connection there, Sean. You know what it's like. I was drugged to Disney World the first time. I called our, our Wi-Fi password was Disney Freak because we had Disney snow globes and Disney coffee cups and all this Disney stuff laying around the house. And I was like, I guess I'll go. But I married Carrie. I went there and I started seeing Disney through a new light. I'm like, hmm, maybe I like some of this. Maybe I'll change my password to Disney Freaks, which I did. <laughs> I drink out of a Disney mug two, three times a week. <laughs> Fell in love with Carrie. Developed other things. When we grow to love one another, we can appreciate different things. Our preferences can evolve and evaluate, and that's pretty good. But again, we come with three Ps, don't we? Past experiences, preferences, and personalities. Carrie hasn't changed much since I married her. I try to get her to do all kinds of things. Country music, nope. <laughs> Several things that just don't affect her. That's okay. She can be uncomfortable some. That's all right. Here's what happens when a church just focuses homogeneously. They become exclusive, meaning only people like us are welcome. Others are tolerated. They can become arrogant. My preferences are better than yours. And they begin comfort-seeking. I want a church to function the way I want a church to go. And sometimes that's understandable. Monday through Saturday, I'm all putting out myself, doing other hard things. So Sunday, I'd love to come to a place where I'm comfortable. The thing that will move us in this direction is the theological calling of heaven. It's a kingdom vision, not a self-vision, that brings this kind of church to reality. It's an understanding that there's not other churches doing this. And so we're not doing it because it's easy. We're doing it because it's godly. And man, I'll do anything if it's godly. What would Jesus think? Is it too much to ask to do what I want? I think he'd say, yeah, it is. See, Jesus envisioned a church that was unified. In John 22, he says, I've given them the glory <clears throat> you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. When the world sees people getting along that don't have a good time getting along, they're like, what is different about that? And it becomes their own mission for Jesus. Luke described how complicated this was in the book of Acts, and Paul prescribed all these things to help make it happen. So we can proceed with confidence that God 
appreciates a multi-ethnic church in these divisive times. So again, let me ask you, if heaven's not separated, why on earth is the church? Well, the earth isn't, isn't heaven, is it? That's one thing. Give you a reality check. Look at somebody and say, are we in heaven? You know the answer already, don't you? <laughs> you are not in heaven. Welcome. You're, you're with me. We are not in heaven. The earth is not heavenly. It hasn't been since the very beginning. It was created very good. We know that. But I want you to, two different places this week, I was posed this question and they were totally unrelated. One was in Albert Tate's book and the other was in a devotion this week that I came across. And it focused on the two questions that God asked his creation. One is, after Adam and Eve had sinned, what was the first words that God said? Where are you? He didn't say, what are you doing? Get out here. Remember, they sinned and they hid from God. And his first word was relational nature. Where are you? And what an interesting question to ponder. Where are you spiritually? Where are you with God? Are you hiding from him? Are you engaging with him? Because God is a relational God and he desires us. So his first question was, where are you? Well, Adam and Eve had children. They grew up. Cain kills Abel. What's the first question God asked him? Where's your brother? Where's Abel? You see, from the very beginning when heaven dissolved from this earth, we really started focusing on us, didn't we? It's about me. And it's about, I'm hiding. I don't need God. I don't need other people. It's about me. I'm at the center of this universe. And God's like, no, no, no. No. No, no, no. There's a better way. You think pursuit of yourself is the best, but no, no, no. Let me give you this commandment. It's the great commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. Weaved all through history is this concern for others. And not just the people that are like us, but for all people. It's a beautiful but challenging vision God has given us. See, the gospel is way more than a way to get to heaven. Some people, we just simplify the good news as, hey, this is how you get to heaven. The good news is a calling on how to live your life. The gospel affects how we treat others. It affects how we see God. And man, it compels us to do things that are hard. And that's a wonderful thing. But remember, it's not just about us. 2 Corinthians 5 calls us to be ambassadors for Christ. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You know what an ambassador does, correct? An ambassador represents the country that sent them. And so we are God's ambassador. As we navigate our multi-ethnic spaces and we find ourselves thinking, can I invite you to church? Can I invite you to participate with God? The answer should be yes. God has placed us in these areas. Kids don't understand. Why is my school diverse? Why is my neighborhood diverse? But why is the church so the same? We are Christ's ambassadors, making his appeal through us, humbling. But what a beautiful calling. What a beautiful vision. But we have to understand this is not natural and it requires a renewing of our mind. Romans 12 says this is a sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. 
This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Our natural way of thinking puts us at the center. Worldly wisdom says, if it's good for me, it's good. Comfort's king. But surrendering to God creates this beautiful, necessary space where we get to see his kingdom come. But it doesn't mean it's comfortable. I read a book by Albert Tate, and he wrote, How We Love Matters. And I want to give you a quote that I was reading this week. He said, my cousin Alma Jean was in charge of Sunday school down at Sweet Home. Short in stature, huge in heart and compassion, and a tenacious lover of the Lord, Alma Jean was one of my first spiritual leaders and mentors in life. It was from her, too, that I first heard this warning. Be careful. Don't trust these white people. Looking back, it, makes, it takes me a moment to ground and accept the fact that I learned to be wary of white people from my church that part of my discipleship was a warning against and a wariness towards them. That my spiritual education came with a built-in warning, concern, and caution against whites. Albert goes on to say, as he was writing this book, he called his father and said, how did this happen? He says, his father said, the black church is and was a safe place for us. And we didn't want our safe place to be disrupted or contaminated with evil. It's interesting reading my book. And then I thought back to someone I invited to our church when we had first planted, and we were majority white at the time, and he said, I just need you to know, I walk a space where I'm navigating what it's like to be around white people six days a week. And I just want one day where I can feel like I can be myself. And if that's you, I understand that. That's not an easy place to be. I also reflected at first, I was like, hmm, but then I thought back to a mentor of mine. He said, it's great that you have black friends. One person's great, but several, and you might be in danger. We bring our past experiences. We bring our preferences. And we can't pretend those statements aren't real. Who's heard a statement similar to that? Anybody? And here we are trying to pretend it's easy. I called Justin yesterday. I said, hey, can I ask you a couple questions during service? He's like, Shh. Yeah, I'd answer anyway. You don't even have to ask permission. Thank you for being who you are, sir. <laughs> Justin is the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Downingtown Area School District. And I want you to know this is just a church problem. Everybody else, they love what you do all the time. Correct? No. no. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. So this isn't just a church problem. This is a global problem. Thank you for sharing that. And um, within the last year, this is 2022, 2023, death threats, things like that. Those are all in the past. No one ever threatens you harm, correct? Justin went to the police station last week because someone threatened his well-being. We can't pretend these situations are not real. Would it be easier for you to go to homogenous church just like you on Sunday morning? Easier, that's the key phrase. You're kidding me. <laughs> Even homogenous churches have problems. What about homogenous marriages? Do they ever have issues? She, your wife's not here. You can say it honestly right now. He said, no, I love her. 
He said, I love her. She, he said, I love her. No, 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 no there's not any issues there. What keeps you in this good work? about the people, change happening. Change is possible. That heavenly vision we can fight for and it's worth fighting for, isn't it? Amen. You're going to get hurt in this work. You're going to make mistakes. If your biggest fear is making a mistake, then actually your biggest problem is pride. You ever miss a shot in basketball and said, I'm never shooting basketball again? You ever tried something the first time, failed? Say, I'm done with that. It's not a good way of living. You do the hard work, and we watch what God does. When you get hurt, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Revelation 21, 3 to 5 gives us a different vision also. He says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them, and they will be with his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain, all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. In other words, John, this vision isn't just for you. You need to write this down, because everyone needs to hear that there will be a day when everything is made new, and your efforts are worth it. But in the meantime, no, I'm understanding that you will have tears. Have you shed any tears the past three or four years at the political unrest? You shed any tears over school shootings, over shootings, over things you've seen, over things you've read in headlines? Of course you have. This world is not our home. Jesus did not try to hide that in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And let me tell you, our biggest weapon is a prayer Jesus offered us. With all this in mind... Listen to those words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, amazing is your name. Your name is off. Your name is the best. Your name is the highest standard that we can't even comprehend. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God, help me not to do what I did today again tomorrow. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one who wants to divide, who wants to take things apart. It's a powerful prayer, and when Christians say it, it changes things. Can I tell you about a luncheon I attended on the conference? It was called Undivided, and it was all about this great work of bringing people together as they truly are. Fifty-ish people were gathered around the exterior of the room, and they would give us statements, and every time we heard a statement, we would walk forward. You've maybe seen videos like that. Some are surrounded around white privilege. Some are surrounded around uh, elements that we've had before, atrocities we've faced. But let me tell you, the environment in that room was there was a lot in common, and hearts were reunited about wanting to see God's vision come true. One person shared, I grew up in rural West Virginia, and I didn't see a black person until I was in 10th grade. Another person shared, I want to be honest, when I came here, I was really struggling with that white guilt thing, but then I recognized that this is really good and we can move forward together. He goes, here's my history. My one grandfather was in the Klan. My other grandfather was a sharecropper. Every person that was African-American went, <laughs> for good reason. But then we saw people engage him afterwards. 
And I was like, that's the kingdom of God. And people shared and said, I'm going to do this. We're making a step in the right direction. And they started brainstorming on how we can see the church come alive and how we can see good things come. And here was one of the most powerful statements I heard. They said, if you want to be a multicultural church, you have to have a multicultural lifestyle. Have you ever been to a model home that was rigged? Like, have you ever, like, checked out a new house and you, like, look close and the TV wasn't real? <laughs> it's all staged equipment. Like, you, like, did one of these onto a bed and it was cardboard. You're like... That's a kind of scary thing. I can remember when I was little, I was in school, and they talked about how commercials didn't have real food. Like, the cornflakes weren't real, and they put white glue on them and stuff like that. I'm like, what an injustice to that cereal. Cheeseburgers weren't real cheeseburgers. And so, we're not trying to just look like something. We're trying to be something. We're not trying to look like a church that's multicultural, we're going to be a church that's multicultural. And how many of you wanted to see this in like two weeks? Anybody like, I expect this to be better like now. Like, you know, like two weeks ago. Like, why are we still having hiccups, right? Guess what the timeline they said the name was? They said, if you want to be a multicultural church, forget the timeline you've been taught as a church planner. Forget the fact you're going to be self-sufficient in four years. He goes, here's what happens. In seven to 10 years, you actually will find that you'll go from planting to stable. And in seven to 10 years, you'll be stable to um, self-sustaining. I don't care about their timeline. God can do whatever he wants. But it was a good gut, it was a good gut check, wasn't it? You see, sometimes Anthony, when he communicates with such clarity because he sees it, he's like, I'm already living it. <laughs> and I'm like, I appreciate you sharing that. And any time there's a hiccup, I'm like, what do you mean about that? Well, God's going to take care of it. <laughs> You've been faithful and trusting in this. You've already given a lot of time to this. And I value that. And I value you. And I value your, your determination. And you share with me. Not everybody thinks this is a great idea in your camp either, right? <laughs> everybody that I shared this vision with said, wow, that's beautiful. You know, we're three congregations, right? There's folks that have been new or part of experience in the beginning that hear the vision like, oh, man, this is exciting. Then you have folks that were new beginnings. They're like, oh, man, I remember this vision. And they both experienced the pain in some of those hiccups, right? But then we have this whole third church who came since we started. They're like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And some of us were like, you don't know what it's costing. <laughs> Pastor Anthony said, it's amazing how you can have the same experience and do something different. We sat down for breakfast, and I was like, this is going great. And Kim's like, whoo, this is hard. <laughs> but we want to honor God in it. That's why we do it. It's a kingdom vision that propels us. And I appreciate you being a part of this. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We want your kingdom to come. A kingdom that's not built on our creativity. That's not built on us wanting to be different. Or us trying to do anything more than being the kingdom that we will enter in into eternity. God, we want to see as much of that kingdom in this reality as possible. Folks from all walks of life coming together. And God, we believe that vision is possible because it's to come. 
And we recognize that we can't accomplish that kind of vision in our own strength. God, it is through your spirit of reconciliation that we ask to empower us, embolden us, and strengthen us. We love you and we're thankful for the gift of community and the grace that allows us to do it in your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.